San Francisco is beset by a series of random murders without motive or pattern. Police are taunted by phone calls and letters by the city is seized by fear. Who could be the killer? A violent truck driver, a mild, mild-mannered mailman, or even a cop? Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Leger. I'm Connor Izagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. All right, today we'll be talking about the horror film, which I couldn't believe was made during this time, 1971, so Zodiac Killer, um, made during the height of the murders, with the intention to try to capture the killer, so I thought it was technically in the right place. The film would instead come and go, becoming more of an oddity in the horror genre and true crime history. Uh, with that, I'll shoot it over to Connor for the scores. The fact that they that studio a studio actually made a slasher flick about an active serial killer in the midst of his killing spree in an attempt to try and lure the killer to the theater so they could get him sounds like a way better movie that I wish had been made. <laughs> Uh, the Zodiac Killer does not have a critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. It does, however, have an 18% audience score, which is more than enough for us. And that's fucking pathetic. So no uh, no critics consensus, because not enough critics, frankly, could be bothered. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't even really... We went into development, but this was not meant to be like shown and reviewed. It was literally purely made to try to capture the killer because of what they, they thought it would work. Which, I mean, like, in a way, kind of speaks to, like, the time period of, like, how scared people were. Because, I mean, technically at this time, the killings weren't necessarily going on. They were The cops were still getting letters. There were still, like, you know, a, him, him admitting to crimes that may or may not have been his doing in and around the area. Um, so, like, you know, the city was still gripped by folks. The letters didn't stop until, like, 1974 or something like that. Um, and when they finally just ceased completely. Um, so like, if anything, it's like a time capsule of like how people were reacting to point that someone said, Hey, maybe if we make a movie, we can convince, you know, and do a premiere that will convince this killer who clearly wants attention to come to premiere. We can catch him. And everyone was okay with it again. Kind of like that paranoia at the time that I don't think they could probably get away with now, obviously, but it's a, it's definitely a time capsule. If anything, yeah, you know what what set Zodiac apart from a lot of other killers was the the taunting, you know, the the threats that didn't happen. You know, I'm going to shoot a bus full of kids, I'm going to blow up a hospital, shit like that. That he never actually followed through on. It was just to incite panic and you know make people remember him, uh, which is really fucked. But I find it funny that this movie and then Dirty Harry also came out in 1971 and was also based on uh, Dave Toski, who was the Lead the the lead on the Zodiac investigation. He was he inspired Dirty Harry, and then the uh, I think it was the Scorpio killer in that movie was you know Zodiac. So seventy one had a lot of these you know a lot was a lot of interesting pop culture connections to you know maybe the most infamous American serial killer of all time. Yeah. So instead, yeah, well, yeah, still still um unsolved case, um. Start argue with 
I'd argue with um in Thirty Harry's case, they at least just used elements to make a fictional, entertaining movie. And the Dirty Harry series, for the most part, is pretty like consistently good, in my opinion. Was, so, in that case, it worked. But again, they were actually just using it to make an original story. But actually, it's great. It's my question, which I thought of much quicker than I have past couple of weeks' episodes, admittedly. Um, and that is, you know, kind of talk about what him being a you know a serial killer, right? So I figured it's kind of a two part question. That I think is really good. So it's a two-parter. First one, taking account America's obsession with true crime, along with obviously horror, which this one's kind of dipping his toes in both worlds. Do you feel, especially when in the case of true crime and how popular it is now, do you feel that there is a danger of being exploitative with this stuff? And if so, what would you say would be the line if you know there was one? Oh, absolutely. I definitely think that uh, this stuff's exploitative, especially when you take real tragedy and turn it into like popcorn horror. I think that's wrong. That's the line for me. Like films like, you know, 2007 Zodiac, David Fincher's version of the, of the retelling of this story. It treats the victims with respect. It treats the investigation with respect. It, re- it retells the story as it actually unfolded. In that case, I see nothing wrong with that. I see that as a dramatization of real life events. But a film like The Zodiac Killer or, you know, From Hell or, you know, I don't know. I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but there's a shit ton of these movies that turn real life monsters into, you know, Jason Voorhees equivalents. I find that pretty disrespectful. There is you got to know your audience and you got to understand that this shit really happened. And there's, you know, living people who were connected to that, who are hurt by this shit. And that's where, you, you know, that's where it starts to become a problem for me. Yeah, fair. Uh, that's fair. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think, you know, when you're making, I mean, obviously, like, there's, a, you know, I, I hate to sound like a fucking, like, you know, money hungry, like, producer. But there's obviously a market for this stuff. It's, yeah. especially nowadays, yeah. it's become a huge thing for people. Um there's a market for it and you know i'm with you especially not necessarily worrying about the documentary side which is a whole different thing when it comes to that but like the more the traumatization side of it um for me a recent one was obviously the one that came out last year on netflix i didn't want to get an uproar about but Dahmer. that was one that to me i actually thought the uproar was a little unwarranted because it went with the zodiac approach of like we're not trying to over you know centralize this case we were just telling you the fucking you know we're telling you the facts we're showing you what happened we're not trying to take a stance of like well this is why he's a bad guy you know it was just showing you like look we're not saying because of this upbringing we're just showing you what we know based off records based off testimony things like that right with the case yeah. um and it to me wasn't doing that again a lot of the upward mainly had to do with the fact that netflix put it in its um lgbt category even though a lot of people actually have been re uh you know i've read both sides you know obviously i've seen both sides of it i personally do tend to lead on the side that yes i understand this is a very dark moment in um the history of the lgbtq community but it is un- an unfortunate part of the history dharma was a gay man targeting people in that community because he knew he could get away with it so it it's a dark moment and it's sad and tragic but it is unfortunately a part of uh the history do you think that when they produced the gacy 
story, which I believe was the next one they're going to do. You think they're going to do it again and put that in the LGBTQ section as well? I don't. I don't think they voted to avoid the backlash this time. Again, I'm of that mind that unfortunately no history, especially as we're seeing right now with us having to kind of have a reckoning with our own history as America in, in general. Um, oh. No history is fully um, good. It was always bad. Yeah. And again, and I'm not saying I don't get the side that I was like, take it, you know, take it out of that category. That's not that's not the history we want represented. I'm not saying I don't understand that at all. But also one of those, I'm like, no, you, for me, history needs to be unbiased. It needs to be both good and bad. And by taking what you want out of it, you're creating a biased history. Because um, if anything, I look at people like, not not necessarily like Gacy, but more so Dahmer, like what, and you look at like his childhood in general, and, like the things that probably could have been done to avoid making him into the monster he fucking became. And one of those big things is that this was a guy that wasn't comfortable with his sexuality, had parents that didn't want to approach the subject at all. He hated himself and he took it out on a community that, again, he knew he could get away with it at the time. Um, so it's it's one to me, it told that. So it's like, no, you need to, again, parents be fucking willing, be, you know, open to your kid's sexuality, things like that. Um, but again, that's, that's just one for me. That's a good point, but also that's not, that doesn't, you know, that's not the, no, that's not the same for all these guys, you know? Right. It's not right. Always, I, I get, yeah. Yeah. It's different for every person. And you got to be able to, if you're going to do this, if you're going to dramatize real life tragedy like this, then you've got to know your audience. You got to be able to do it without glamorizing or sympathizing for the villain. You got to take the power away from the Zodiac killer, right. from Jeffrey Dahmer, from Ted Bundy, like you, they have to be the butt of the joke. They have to be the the asshole. If you start talking about their troubled childhood yeah. or like giving them, you know, an excuse, then it turns into exploitation. Yeah, I I think you know obviously you're if you're going to do something that especially in a show like Dahmer, or Gacy's probably going to do the same damn thing. Um, when they're showing their full story, you're going to see their childhood. As long as your stance is not saying like, hey. This is why he turned out, or I mean, granted, sometimes it is showing you probably an insight into how they turn into what they turn into, but you're not taking like the sympathetic, like, oh, poor him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you're just showing, like, look, we're not taking a stance. We're just showing you based off knowledge we have from all this stuff, their childhood and things that could have possibly led to them becoming the monster they are. As long as, like you said, then they their butt choke, they're portrayed as the monster they are. I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, we're not trying to make them sympathetic. We're just like, you know, this, it's taking that sense of like, no, this guy's a fucking monster that needed to be stopped. We're just telling the story. Um, I can get down with that. Um, with that said, when they announced the the thing with Gacy, I wasn't actually down with that. I was like, okay, now this feels like we're starting to get close to exploitation with this. Like, hey, we had a huge hit with this show with Dahmer. And I know I can show you that because I watched it, but let's keep it going. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's keep doing this. Now, Gacy, what's next? Fucking Bundy. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to keep going. True. But just to be devil's advocate here, because I want to bring it up because I think it's an interesting idea. How is that different from, say, The People versus O.J. Simpson? Like, that was also a story of a real-life murder that occurred that was dramatized and turned into kind of pop culture. 
So like, you know, at what point is it too much or not enough? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like what, what, what qualifies a murder to be considered like cinematic? Mm -hmm. I, that no, you bring up a very good point. I'm actually really glad you brought that up. That's a very good point. Um, it is tough because yeah, I, I didn't watch that one. I know I think Ryan Murphy was behind that too. He's making a fucking apparently an, a killing in the true crime space. Um but I had heard about I know a lot of people that liked it. It it's tough because like you said, you're dealing with people that, you know, this was a real life thing. People, you know, someone did actually die. You know, OJ fucking killed someone and you know, got away with it. Um it's a real thing and it, it does become tough because you gotta you gotta find you gotta just hope that they're as a viewer, you have to hope that they're doing it out of more so respect and just wanting to tell this story. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like let's you know try you know glamorize it. You have to hope. Obviously, they can do the press chunk it all day. They can tell you what they, they want to tell you, and you just have to hope they're being uh genuine at the same time and you know again kind of with that show with obviously Dahmer last year and the backlash that came out of it do I understand people that don't want to watch it they're like no I don't want to do it obviously victims family members victims I don't want to watch it people are just like I'm not partaking in that I absolutely understand that I absolutely get it if you're that's like dude I'm not into that stuff I don't want to watch it I'm I get that um for me personally my line was drawn when oh god was it was it Casey Anthony on the yeah. fucking on Peacock, yeah, oh, it was Casey the one that killed her kids. Mm-hmm. When she got that bullshit show to tell more of her story, when we know, we all know she did it. That to me was my line, like, like that was my line, and yeah. I will not watch that. Fuck that! I'm not giving her that fucking view. It's a way different situation when these pricks try to tell their own story and make them out to be the victim or the hero or something then it's just straight up bullshit and I, I want nothing to do with it. Uh, but also I wonder like when it comes to biopics about tragedy, you know, it's not always going to be fucking, you know, a league of their own or, uh, you know, fucking invincible or something. It's not always the inspirational, you know, they did it. Woo. Sometimes it's, you know, movie like world trade center or saving private Ryan, which deal with, horrific tragedy that affected a lot of people's lives you know in similar ways than these movies do but those films never get this kind of you know backlash no or and i think especially okay and i i want to kind of hone in on the the same part ryan and add schindler's to this conversation because it's both with spielberg um i think for a lot of people with that is just you could tell spielberg was very genuine in those movies of not wanting to be exploitative, not wanting to glamorize something, but tell what to him felt like very important stories to share. Case of Chandler's List, obviously what Chandler did for thousands of um Jewish people during World War II. He felt, you know, it was very important. And I, I have seen both. Luckily, uh, Chandler's List is a really good film. One of Liam Neeson's best performances. So it, to me, I think that's why people didn't push back on that. And in Saving Private Ryan, I think people didn't push back on that because again, he treated it with respect. He photos an important story to tell in a weird way going for the type of realism he went for, especially in that opening uh, D-Day segment. Yeah. He did it in a way, cause that was a line he was teetering on in my opinion that if he went too far, it would have just been this exportative gore fest of an opening scene. 
that shit on a very historic moment in World War II that as great it was for as great of an ally victory it was, we lost thousands of lives that day. Um, but he did in a way that it was brutal, it was violent, but he kept it on that line for you to really feel what thousands of American um of men went through that day, the fear, the the just the sheer like bravery and courage to face what they faced that day, knowing that a lot of them probably aren't going home. And the way he approached at least that opening scene in particular was done in such a way that it felt respectful watching it to me. And now like him trying to be like, I can't wait to show you these amazing fucking because it is a gory opening scene. Like blood filled opening scenes my World War II movie, you know? I think that's why Spielberg has been able to not get the backlash is that people could tell there was respect with both those films. I guess when it comes to just, you know, dramatized real life tragedy, like pretty much every other aspect of art, it's, you know, it's widely subjective and you just kind of have, have to have some faith that the, uh, the filmmakers are going to treat this with respect and tell the story correctly. You know, you just got to hope for that. And it's not always going to work out as we're going to talk about today. But you know, I think for the most part, you know, they do their best. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I like to think in a lot of cases the intentions are, are good because sometimes like I've, I've seen the notes of the tensions aren't good. You can tell like it's really easy to tell. We're like, OK, you're clearly not wanting to do this for the right reasons. Um, That's true. Yeah, um, you can tell. I do think, you know, and as we kind of saw recently without getting too into it, I, I just don't have the energy to get too into it, but with the recent, it wasn't even like a controversial game, but the recent stuff going on with Hogwarts Legacy since it released, right? Um, with social media, he was to say there weren't people that were outraged by Chandler's List and Saving Park Ryan, but there wasn't social media like there is now. You know what I mean? And now that the people that get outraged have the ability to get online and make their voice known. Um, so that could also be a bit of it. A lot of time with this, all this newer stuff coming out is that now people can get online and really let people know about it. That's a very good point. Nowadays, you know, the outrage is a lot louder because people have a voice and a platform to expel it. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, people might've yeah. been pissed about I this mean, stuff forever, but now they're able to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, that's even outside of, I mean, like I said, outside of like, you know, the more darker murder stuff we're talking about, but looking at like Hogwarts Legacy, all the whole shit going on with DC and the fucking Snyderverse. Like, you know, there's there seems to be someone, just a group just wanting to get enraged about something, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes not for great reasons, um, and make their voice known. And that, that happens a lot nowadays. Yeah, there's been a 7,000% uptick in complaining Carl's lately. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Oh, sorry. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. In a lot of cases, it backfires on them. Like in the case of Hogwarts Legacy, it's like a huge, huge hit. And it's actually getting really good reviews. So, like, it, it backfires horrendously. It often does. You know, Dahmer also was an enormous hit for Netflix. Evan Peters won an Emmy for, uh, or not an Emmy, Golden Globe for his uh, portrayal of Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. That actually brings up a good question that's part of my head. What, how do you feel about, and again, I, I watched it and I did generally think Evan Peters was really, really good. Like the guy was good in the role. What do you think of actors getting award recognition and or winning for portraying a character like Dahmer, like these serial killers? 
You think that's like I, different from like anything else or I put absolutely no responsibility on the actor. To them, that is a role, that is a script, that is a performance. But the people developing this, they should be the ones who have to treat this with the utmost respect. The actor is just saying the words, doing their best to portray the person on the page. So okay, I don't, so you're cool I don't have any them. any beef with Evan Peters over any of that. Okay, and you're, so I'm saying like you're cool with him getting the, even though you haven't seen it, you're okay with like him getting like a golden glove for it. If yeah, he, I'm, if if he deserved, deserved it, it, if it was a very good performance, 100. percent Yeah. Okay, I was just wondering if like there's a difference for you in like that award segment of it, um, with like Sirico stuff like that. I again, I, I watched Dahmer, and I, I I agree personally. Like he inhabited that role like no other. It was terrifying. Like he he was Dahmer. Like he felt it in his performance. So it's what I hear. Yeah, I you know, it's. Take, for instance, the first one that popped into my head was Christoph Waltz and Inglorious Bastards. You know, Hans Landa might not be a real person, but he's a Nazi. The character's a Nazi. Does that mean that we are going to condemn Christoph Waltz for playing that character? No, not at all. Bruno Ganz played Hitler in Downfall, who's amazing. Bruno Ganz is not a Nazi. Like, you know, Evan Peters didn't butcher a bunch of people. It's, you know, actor and performance, very different animals. And we got to remember that shit because sometimes that line gets blurred and then people start being crazy. Yeah. And luckily it's not played for Evan Peters. He's a, a sane good guy. I say that because everyone thinks the point with him that he plays a lot of really dark characters, but he's like apparently a super nice dude. Did did nobody he watch like, X-Men? Quicksilver was bubbly and fun. <laughs> I know. Was, I remember watching going, hey, he's actually happy in this one. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I remember when people got you know up in arms well not all people but crazy people went nuts at bradley cooper when they realized he was not a gung-ho maga sniper dude like chris kyle when he played him in american sniper and they were like how dare he it's like what do you mean how dare he he's a he's an actor he's not chris kyle it's separate you know not everybody's yeah. daniel day lewis not everybody's gonna live in that skin for two fucking years that's not how it works for most no. people their their job especially in the case of like playing a real life person not necessarily like a fake, you know, original character is to try to inhabit that person as they are in real life. They are, that's, that's their role when they take on a real, you know, a person. So it's like they're acting guys, like they're becoming that person for the show or movie. Well, I'd argue that it's less about portraying them in real life and way more about portraying them as they are written in the script. Cause Clint Eastwood very much had, an agenda with American Sniper. He did not portray Chris Kyle as accurately as he could, leading to a more That's... propaganda-esque picture. So, again, that does not Okay, fall fair enough. Fair point. Yeah. yeah. No, fair point on that one. Um, or, like, with, um, you know, Lone Sniper, which, are not Lone Sniper, Lone Survivor, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Lone Survivor, Mark Wahlberg. Um, one I actually really like, but, you know, if you actually look into it, there's a lot of conflicting accounts on the actual event and the guy he went through it may have fibbed on some stuff. Yeah. But again, that's, that's not on Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. It's not a Mark Wahlberg. Like also, written. Yeah. It's, on, it's what's written in these films. They're not documentaries. They're dramatizations. They're biopics. They're taking yeah. real stories and, you know, making them as cinematic as possible while still trying to maintain the spirit of the true story. That's why Isabel and I started fake true stories. It's because these, you know, to point out the, the problems with these movies because a lot of people yeah. just watch this and assume that's exactly what happened and that's just not right yeah 
no and i don't really and for me like and i definitely i'm not like should don't think i'm shitting on like fake true stories or anything i don't necessarily blame the blame the film because at the end of the day like life is boring like cinema has to cinema if you will for like for a better yeah. term here i love um, these movies i love biopics yeah. i think they're yeah. fun i think they they lead me to like finding out about things and then i do additional research and i find out the truth about that's that's what they should do and that's what i'm saying like yeah and that's what i'm saying is that general audiences i i blame more than anything because they just like you said they watch and go okay without doing any and we live in a world now where i'm like you could like okay again like sticking with the world of serial killers and stuff in this scenario Dahmer, if you had a problem with the show well guess what there is like at least 10 different goddamn documentaries on netflix alone probably plus all the other streaming apps i know you probably have to get an actual full unbiased take on it and that's not that's just shows and movies there's podcasts there's books there's all sorts of things you can pursue that get rid of all the drama and just tell you the facts if you are that interested after watching the show or movie you can go on youtube right now and listen to jeffrey dahmer himself talking about why he's in prison and why he did what he did he didn't say much and he's fucking scary but he's there you know a lot of films a lot of you know dramatizations of real life stuff they don't really do as diligent research as they should you know documentaries and podcasts that's typically where you want to go if you want to actually learn about this shit Mm -hmm. and what's funny is that even the ones that do try to be diligent they will pull from the shit that people should be reading like they'll pull from those books and those you know those documentaries where they're like okay we'll pull from that for this and i'm like so even they're doing it to make their traumatic take on it but people just don't want to do the extra leg of, yeah, we know, all work. hated homework in school and that hasn't changed <laughs> i love that all of that basically rolled all the way back to people suck <laughs> yeah i wasn't i i wasn't expecting such a great conversation on that quite oh i kind of was i, I was kind of like i think this is a good question so yeah that was a really i enjoyed that a lot that was a great topic uh, of discussion there that was nice <laughs> yeah it helps when like the movie gives us me. I'm really sometimes I'm sitting there going, "What did this movie get me to ask?" Because I don't know. Ah, uh, so uh, with that, unless we could probably I probably go on quite a bit on this one, uh, we can go ahead and move on to development hell if you're ready. Right on, let's do it. All right, so this one's going to be interesting. So there's a big, the big thing you're waiting for the release of this. I'll get to that at the end. Let's get through some other stuff first, ladies and gentlemen. So. Based on the well-known Zodiac Killer, who was active in the late 60s and ceased running com- communications around 1974, is when police stopped getting com- uh, communication from him. Uh, the film was mostly made as a way to hopefully capture the killer, like we talked about earlier. In both a 2012 and a 2017 interview, director Tom Henson, sorry Hansen, would confirm this as he figured the killer wouldn't be able to resist attending the film's premiere. Look, I'll say this much, like. I don't agree with making this film at the time, but at least like the heart was like, at least like in, it was a, it was a misguided, but in the right place. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, let's try to capture this guy. I'm not saying they went about it in the best way, but at least, you know, it's like, what can I do to try to capture this dude? And if you didn't count like him sending the letters and clearly wanting attention, I kind of get why they thought this would work. Well, yeah, but also there's a lot of ego behind this. It's like, Hey, I know how to catch this guy. I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to catch this dude. I'm going to be famous for the, being the guy who caught the Zodiac killer. And also, like, 
I mean, the variables, you know, they had to they had to count on Zodiac, you know, knowing about the movie or, you know, being invited to the premiere or, you know, it's the, the odds of this working are pretty fucking astronomical. Yeah, I'm not look, I'm not saying it's a good plan, but it's a plan. <laughs> it is. It's more than the SFPD had. I'll say that. <laughs> it's Yeah. At least this cash trying something they just went, we don't know. (laughs) The investigation is ongoing. I bet they said that to the press just once a fucking week. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, he did get help, not from us, uh, not from the San Francisco Police Department, though. So to help him, he got uh, San Francisco Chronicle journalist Paul Avery uh, would supply a forward for the phone, play an active role in the production. He was part on because he was one of the biggest journalists writing about the Zodiac Killer um, during the killings. Um, he, he's actually, he uh, was receiving, to the point that he was receiving death threats and letters from Zodiac Killer himself. He was investigating so hard. Um, I'm pretty sure he is a character in the Fincher film. Am I right? He is indeed. Been, and- I've seen it once. It's been years, so I can't remember. I recommend watching it just for kicks. It is a fantastic movie and super creepy and the definitive version of this story and actually pretty damn accurate. Um, I remember liking it. It's just, I've never gotten around to watching it again, but yeah. Paul Avery is played by Robert Downey Jr. In, in the movie. And he is, he was, you know, the, the journalist who got heavily involved, tried to coax Zodiac into, you know, out of hiding by calling him impotent and, you know, uh, like all that shit. And that's why Zodiac was like, going after him verbally. I don't think he ever actually intended to do anything. Uh, but yeah, probably, Paul Avery, a bit not. of a bit of a attention whore, a bit of a publicity junkie. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that he would, you know, become a consultant on this weird ass movie. Yeah. So I was like, I, I didn't even think about it. So I was like, we were talking, I was like, Oh wait, Zodiac, David Fincher, pretty sure Paul Avery was a character in that movie. I should remember who um, I do. I do need we watch it when I got time. I know it's like three hours long. Like I said, I, I didn't hate it. It was one of those when I was like, ooh, David Fincher did a movie on the Zodiac Killer. And I watched it. And I was like, oh, this was really good. And then I just never got around to watching it again. That, that's really all that happened. I liked it. And then I met Austin. And then he convinced me that it really is a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, need to, I need to recheck it. I've heard like when it comes to this whole thing, it's one of the most like definitive takes on this whole thing. So um but yeah like we're talking about so good old Paul Avery like I mentioned he was receiving several death threats and those from the actual killer because of that and as I think you do if I recall you do see in Fincher's Zodiac he would become slightly paranoid like he actually was like getting pretty worried that Zodiac was going to kill him um and it got to the point that he even thought the main uh, actor Hal Reed who spoiler plays a fucking Zodiac killer in this film um so, uh, yeah we'll get into that later on down the road I'm sure um he was convinced he was the actual Zodiac for whatever fucking reason. That is some shadow of the vampire shit. And I, I, again, why not make that movie? <laughs> like, I want to see that movie, you know, and a guy tries to make a movie to catch an active serial killer and accidentally cast the actual killer in the lead of the killer. That's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, great. <laughs> I'm pretty sure technically like Troma did a variation of that with Terror Foreman, but I could be wrong. I'll have to ask Josh. <laughs> it, it sounded too good to not have been done yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's. I know it's like the pause movie is like they're making a horror film, but then there's a killer on set killing everyone. 
It's very yeah, meta. I love, that. I love that meta shit. Oh yeah. Uh so it, and this is again further pointing to his paranoia, ladies and gentlemen. So sets have dinner with Hansen at a restaurant nearby the area the film was um at the time premiering. He would get so worried that he purposely waited in an alleyway near the restaurant and waited for Hansen to finally come up to follow him inside. God, if I was a Zodiac killer, that would have been my opportunity to kill his ass. How ironic. Yeah, that's what took. Like, Paul Avery gets, like, you know, stabbed to death by the Zodiac killer as he's watching fucking Hal Reed walk into the restaurant. He's like, oh, I was wrong. And that's the last thing (laughs) he thinks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love how he picks an alleyway. I'm like, if you're that paranoid, why don't you pick an op- lots of people? But I, I think I know his mindset is like, no, there's people. One of them could be it. Let me go into the alleyway and hide. Like, but that's where he would go because no one can see you. Here's a bright idea, Paul. Wait in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, wait in the restaurant. I doubt the killer's in the restaurant, a crowded restaurant where people are eating. And if so, he's not going to do anything in the restaurant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, paranoia, it, man. Uh, it really so, it, there's no quantifying it. No, and uh, like I said, if you want to see more of that again, and really more of anything, what we're talking about, David Fincher's uh, Zodiac. You see, the I do remember, uh, like I said, Diane Jerry played part of him, like getting slowly paranoid as the film like progressed, and I think he was like drinking more and everything. Like it was, it was bad. Yeah, he he completely loses everything. Uh, Mark Ruffalo plays Dave Tosky, the cop in charge of the investigation and Robert uh, Robert Graysmith, the cartoonist who ends up writing the book about Zodiac, the definitive book. He's played by Jake Gyllenhaal. So it's a great triple threat of character actors. It's Iron Man, the Hulk and Mysterio trying to solve a crime. It's great. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but we're going to be talking about this great film. Uh, the film, Film before again, just some more fun stuff before we get into. I know I was waiting to space for the insane premiere story I got on this, but we'll get to it. So, the film itself was shot a little bit guerrilla style because apparently they didn't have permits for any of the locations they were shooting at. Are you telling me that they staged Zodiac murders without permits in San Francisco? During the Zodiac killing spree. Yes, I am. Oh my God. They are lucky no one was shot by the cops. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> wow. That that I was like, why do you think that's a good idea? I oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> shit. The brass cojones look- on Tom Hansen. To go through with that. <laughs> and look, look, okay, don't get me wrong. I've heard plenty of stories of like very low budget and stuff having to kind of guerrilla style and shoot something real quick that they don't have permit for. But it's not usually involving a story involving a serial killer where the actual one is active in real life. Yeah. And recreating his fucking spree. I, 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 yeah. I, I gotta say, pretty accurately, like the parts that weren't. The Zodiac murders were fucking ridiculous, but the actual Zodiac murders, the real ones, were were replicated pretty well. Yeah, that those parts, I had, I'm saving a little bit of that from my roads, but yes, yeah. um, give you a hint. I'm just my, surprised that you know my... Tom Hansen would kind of half-ass the rest of this, but then it's almost like he was showing Zodiac, like you know, your life flashes before your eyes, and then I got you at the end of the premiere. I th- that, that's probably what he was picturing. <laughs> oh, probably. 
I got you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, this was this was his fucking, you know, this was Quentin the Shark, but real life and way less, you know, successful. Oh. Yeah, real life and the shark didn't take the bite at all. No, the shark swam away because uh, he sensed the fucking trap. <laughs> yeah, or he did say it, or he did see it, and we he just got away scot-free. Wouldn't it be great if he like he he was there? And he walked out. Oh, it'd be fucking honestly kind of funny. I, I, it's like horrendous as that sounds. I understand what he did was terrible, but kind of funny. <laughs> He's just watching the murders. He's like, I was, I had a much bigger knife. Now nah, she was over there. Like this isn't even. I'm I'm leaving. This is terrible. I shot him twice, not three times. Do your research, Tom, and then he just left. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. All right, there's uh, this is a little fun fact I have. Let's share the fun facts. First one ends a little bit trashy, but starting out with the first one, uh, the one scene that features the amazingly creepy old ass neighbor just showing his bushes, which I'll get more into how I feel about that scene later, is none other than Doodles Weaver. If you're wondering how why that last name sounds familiar, that is the uncle of Sigourney Reaver. Sigourney had an uncle named Doodles. She had an uncle named Doodles. Uh, well, now we see how she was able to break into, into the biz. <laughs> yep. Give Uncle, yep. uncle Doodles a call. Yeah, he was a talk show host. <laughs> Apparently he was like a talk show host on uh, some like, late night thing. Um, but unfortunately, it, this, I know I was like, wow, I was like, cool that 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 was her uncle but doodles who who came up with that name if we were still giving these episodes funny titles 100 this one would be called uncle doodles that is oh that's great <laughs> oh it's awesome uh um they would this would end in some tragedy though uh he would commit suicide in 1983 by shooting himself twice in the chest due to being despondent over his failing health so that is that is not the pleasant turn I was expecting in the saga of Uncle Doodles. Damn. So what you got? So what happened to Uncle Doodles? Oh man, I get it though. You know, if you get a terminal diagnosis and you're like, fuck it, I'm going out my way. I get it. Yeah. So I'm I'm sorry to end with that. This one, this next fun fact, it's kind of interesting though. I promise. You remember the scene where Grover attacks his family and claims he's a Zodiac before they shoot him? Oh, I do. Okay, so apparently that's based on a real life incident that happened during the high of the case, and actually almost to the T, where this trunk, uh, drug abuser dude went over to his his house, beat you know, attacked his wife and kids. Held his daughter like hostage outside because the mom ran out with the son, forgot the daughter, ran outside the front door with his his daughter hostage, and at one point started yelling, I'm the Zodiac killer, I'm the Zodiac killer. Cops got it the uh diffused uh by having people come into the back because they couldn't get a shot out front, so they could take a shot from behind and get the daughter, you know, pulled away, and then they fucking killed him. And then they, you know, a couple I think shortly after ruled him out as an actual suspect shit i well you know i'm gonna considering i'm just looking at the film itself i'm gonna keep my award where it is but i have 
I have some thoughts about that, and I can't believe that actually fucking happened. Oh, my God. Well, you know, I mean, suicide by cop, you couldn't do it better than claiming you're the Zodiac killer in 1971 while waving a gun and threatening to kill your daughter. I like how I unintentionally kind of like somewhat ruined your one of your awards. I wasn't even trying. I well, I straight up said in my reward, I, I think I said, like, how stupid do you have to be to do something like that? And apparently, well, it <laughs> it happened. <laughs> God. It, it happened, so I was stupid enough. Yeesh. <laughs> oh, wow. I've, the reactions on these two facts have been kind of fun. Oh. There's so much dark-ass drama attached to this movie that's not even, like, connected to the killing spree it's just additional sad shit that happened adjacent to the killing spree yes i was not prepared for that (laughs) well buckle up buckaroo no i'm kidding because now we're, we're here we're going to talk about the the screening are you ready for all this nonsense bring it on all right. Hansen rented the Golden Gate Theater in San Francisco, obviously, and premiered the film in April of 1971 with the attention, like we talked about, of luring the Rosario Killer to one of the screenings. One of the ways he decided to do that was apparently Kawasaki, yes, the motorcycle company, sponsored the event and offered a motorcycle as a prize to any audience member who wrote the best answer to, I believe the Zodiac kills because on yellow cards being handed out at the door. Was the motorcycle under, like, a giant box with, like, a rope tied and a stick tied to it? So, like, if any, if if Zodiac went under there to get the motorcycle, he'd just ah, pull the rope and he got him? Because that's how this is starting to sound. (laughs) You remember the Family Guy episode thing with James Woods and they have used the candy or whatever it was? Yeah, Yeah. is that but a fucking motorcycle? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. It's it's a little bit more ridiculous than that. Hansen set up a team to analyze each entry for handwriting which matched the killer and planned to confront them himself in the lobby if a match was found. Literally, have- I got you, son of a bitch. Was he packing? Did he have a security team? Like, How was he planning to apprehend this guy if he got him? He was going to Chris Hansen the shit out of it. No, he's going to Tom Hansen. Sit down. The shit out of this. Sit down. Have a cookie. But why like, are you here? So his whole plan was, I'm going to get the handwriting, and then I'm making a citizen's arrest. Yes. This, I almost wish he'd actually got him. I wish he'd found him. I wish this had worked, just so I could see like how you know the confrontation. Oh my god, can you imagine like the bonus feature on this film? Only a physical on the physical release if that had happened. This would be like in the Criterion collection. The guy would be known across the world. Zodiac's name would be in, you know, mud. He'd be in prison being like that fucking Tom Hansen. <laughs> and it'd be it'd be awesome. Yeah, so that was the that was the the fucking plan. He was going to match the handwriting and fucking go in there, probably packing some heat, and be like, "Finally, you son of a bitch! I caught you! I, Tom Hansen, 
caught you. Were the cops aware of this plan? Like, were they, did they have any faith in this? Like, was there an officer at the theater or anything? I found nothing saying the cops were aware of this. So I wonder if they heard about it and went, this is stupid. Let the guy die. And they just left. Yeah, probably. Considering the insane amount of, like, red herrings they got during this investigation, I'm sure they weren't thinking, yeah, the film director with no experience is going to make the citizens arrest and catch him with the motorcycle. That'll happen. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he really has this one. <laughs> ah, God. Well, on one particular night. Now, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this case is still unsolved. So, but let's go down this rabbit hole because it's kind of fun. On one particular night, Hanson, Mr. Extraordinaire here, citizens of the rest of the fucking century, encountered a man who, according to him, closely resembled the famous postal sketch, the one you're probably thinking of in your head right now, and had submitted more than one entry despite warning the staff against multiple ones per person. Well, obviously, you uh-huh. should get the chair. <laughs> Poor, you know, average man-looking motherfucker just really wanted that motorcycle. <laughs> he, want, he wanted a Kawasaki. Oh, this is great. (laughs) Now, due to the employee who was concealed in the submission box, fucking hidden, apparently. He was like in the in the box where they were putting the cards. Apparently. My God. This is amazing. Somebody has to make this movie. Somebody has to write. The making of this movie as like a fucking you know Tropic Thunder esque comedy. Oh, this one hundred. I would love to watch this movie. If it was not just an over the top like comedy. Oh, well. Apparently, this this gentleman was incapacitated in the box, so he failed Hanson. <laughs> Maybe he just got you know paper cutted to death or something. Trying to keep my composure for this. Hanson had some other employees that were working that day to seize the man who reportedly didn't even act surprised. Huh. They didn't even act surprised, Connor. Well, I mean, he did, you know, put his name more than once into the box. I mean, you know, you live on the edge like that. You got to expect the heat to catch up with you eventually. Oh, God. So now, as you know, Hanson's plan, right, was to confront this man himself since this arrest of the year. Hanson personally confronted him by claiming to be Zodiac victim Paul Stein's brother. Ooh, I don't like I don't like that. Yeah. That's apparently his grand plan. Let me act like a a sibling to a victim. Well, like Zodiac's going to just be like, oh, well, shit, of course you know all about it then. I, you got me. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got me. This isn't Scooby-Doo. You can't take okay. off the mask and, and also, be like, oh my god, it's, it's this guy. 
You're also assuming that the Zodiac actually remembers the fucking names of the people he murdered. Yeah, I, I doubt it. You know, people didn't really matter to him as shown by, you know, his victims. Yeah. So I based off like, you know, a very infamous uh, case with the couple at the lake, he just did his thing and moved on. Like he did not knowing about your name, taking anything, just killed and moved on. Yeah, and he then, took you know, just contact. enough to leave enough clues for the police to, you know, let them know it was him. You know, stuff that wasn't in the papers. That's as that's as much as he did. But I don't think yeah. Paul Stein's brother was he even there. I don't think so. Yeah. So Zodiac's not going to be like, oh, you were a witness. Well, there it is. I guess I'm done. Curses foiled again. I would yeah. have away with it too if I weren't for you meddling directors. <laughs> So yeah, insane. and again, I can't trust this enough. Yeah, oh, it is. And again, I can't trust enough. You're, you're, act, we're, he's acting as if the Zodiac is we remember every single person he's killed, or even <sighs> gives a shit. It's like you can't guilt this dude yeah. into giving himself up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, based off how what we know about Zodiac, that dude felt no goddamn guilt about what he did. No, he relished it. If anything, you know, you thinking it's him is just gonna, you know, make him hard. Like that's the only thing that's gonna happen here is like, ah. Oh, they think it's me, but they can't prove it. Ah. So it's like it's like the South Park scene where they're like rubbing their um, nipples or they <laughs> screw someone over. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. So how'd this work out? Well, <laughs> well, so apparently the man would nonchalantly respond that he was sorry to hear about the murder and then get let go. So the guy was like, Oh, that sucks, dude. <laughs> and they just let him go. I'll have you know I'm Paul Stein's brother. That's a bummer, man. See ya. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I that's that's a fantastic that's a fantastic result. Like for comedy's sake. It's like, well, you know, sucks to be you. I'll catch you on the flip side. Yeah. By the way, your movie sucks. <laughs> yeah, he, he just walked out. Uh, the next day, they, they did find a little about the man. So the next day, it would be found out the man was staying in a nearby hotel. Apparently, he was a Vietnam veteran. So more than likely, Hanson just antagonized a vet. <laughs> antagonized a vet, threatened him, and falsely accused him of mass murder, and just gave up. Yeah. Classy. And the vet, who has seen some shit, because it was again Vietnam vet, ladies and gentlemen, just went that that sucks, man. Like later and walked away. Yeah, I bet you know he was unfazed because you know he he'd seen some some horrific shit, and this was more of you know this was a movie. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh. yeah, he's probably I'm like, I just like, yeah, I just like the movie. It's why I keep watching. It. I want the motorcycle. Yeah. It's like I'm going home, not on a motorcycle, regrettably. I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully you guys won't accuse me again. Jesus. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Hanson would not let this go. Hanson would become convinced the man was the Zodiac and even claimed to re- he claims to have received letters from the cl- killer later on, which were conveniently confiscated by the police. <laughs> My ass. No, no way did Tom Hansen get roped into the investigation. No, uh-uh. This dude was an attention whore if there ever was one. 
if anything, the police went, oh my God, dude, okay, give us a damn. Do you, you do? Okay, cool, give them to us. Fuck off. If there were letters, I bet they suspiciously matched Tom Hansen's handwriting <laughs> and were and praised the movie. Cops like they're like, yeah, we'll take it. As soon as they get to the station, they just fucking throw it away. Like it's clearly not the killer. This guy's crazy. I wish they threw it away at Hanson's house in front of him. They're like, yeah, of course, we'll log these into evidence as soon as we can as he's crumpling them and <laughs> just chucks them into the garbage can. And they walk out. <laughs> oh God, Hanson. Now you're probably wondering what happened to the stand motorcycle that was offered as a price. I hope Zodiac stole it. I hope that's the only thing that actually happened with Zodiac's involvement in this is he walked in there and fucking stole the motorcycle. That would be cool, but no. <laughs> Since essentially the contest to win this motorcycle is essentially a scam, no one ever won the prize because they didn't think that through. And so Hansen had to give it away, to, eventually gave it away to a friend of his. That is some horseshit. You staged yeah. a phony movie premiere with phony guests and a phony prize, the least you could do is give away the phony prize. Let them have something. At least give it to the Vietnam vet who you falsely accused and also apparently did more than one entry, so he clearly won that fucking motorcycle. That is insane. But then he's like, you know, here, friend, you take it. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the release strategy right there. Um, Well, ultimately, unsuccessful, obviously, in its goal film has mostly become known for its interesting to say the least release strategy and just entire reason for being yeah i saw at the beginning of the film you know agfa uh was you know partially responsible for kind of digging this up uh i forget mm-hmm. what agfa stands for but they they find old you know on yeah they're uh they're they're partnered with vinegar syndrome so they vinegar syndrome actually puts a lot of their stuff on their like their site to release um, I think American, like, American genre film archive. That's actually there. Yeah, yeah. I I know they're they're one of the many partner labels for Vinegar Syndrome, so like it gives them that boost to get stuff out and Vinegar Syndrome will release their shit. So I'm sure actually if I got on my Vinegar Syndrome app, I could probably find this movie by Agfa, um, on Blu-ray. I I I haven't checked because they've been doing their um Valentine's Day Picorama, so basically their hardcore titles are <laughs> reduced in price. So I haven't really been able to check because they're just really promoting that right now. But once that's done, I'll I'll check just because I'm curious if it's on there. I feel like as the host of Beyond the Bad, you should be owning every film we've talked about in the highest quality possible. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I tried that with orgasm for a while, and we're we're almost to two fifty. It's not feasible. I was like, that means I have to own fucking Freddy Got Fingered, and that's not happening. Yeah, in like 4K. <laughs> Not happening. I may well, like some movies that people don't like, but I, I do not like that one. <laughs> and I watched a movie with Polly Shore last night, and that was actually a better time than anything I sat through with fucking Tom Green. Ouch. That's that's really low low praise. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, actually a pretty good movie. And it was actually, luckily, it was like Polly Shore's first like film role. So he wasn't like, quote unquote, like Polly Shore, like, you know, his his brand of comedy was much more subdued because it was his first film role. Right on. But uh, 
yeah, with that little diatribe aside, um, unless you got anything else, that that's what I have for our fun-filled development hell. <laughs> yes. I'll just say All that right. I wish, real quick, I, I just want to say I wish Tom Hansen had sent the vet the motorcycle with like a Hallmark card on it that said, sorry, I accused you of serial murder. <laughs> And then, like, you know, a yes, face. S- <laughs> and like he a just puts, on a red lobster or something. But then he puts like PS or part of me still thinks you're so, you're the zodiac. Goddamn. All right. <laughs> God. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let's uh that was probably one I I'll say it one of my more fun development holes um I've had on here. So with that said, though, let's move on to our awards and start with the Zack Snyder, a.k.a. the guy who, to all you Snyder fanboys, gave James Gunn his approval and his positive words of encouragement for the DC universe moving forward. So shut the hell up about the Snyderverse. All the worst scene. Uh, it is the scene where Grover goes nuts over custody and gets his ass shot by the cops while screaming, I'm the Zodiac. How <laughs> do you want to defend this now? What I the fact I gave you? This whole subplot is so fucking weird. This hyper misogynist piece of shit who is just saying the worst things the whole movie. It's like, doesn't I don't he doesn't love his kid. He just doesn't want his wife to have her. And snaps. And then, you know commit suicide by cop and then i looked at my watch like i'm not even halfway through this thing yet like so all of this was pointless like i don't care about this guy he's an asshole clearly in in life probably an asshole as well so yeah you know waste of time it's an hour 27 it's i it's it's padded this thing is padded and this this scene was just ridiculous because it's like I never gave a shit about this guy to begin with. Why am I, why are you trying to make me care? Yeah, it, I got more to say about the character in general, but yeah, it, even knowing that this was based off a real scene, that's the only reason I felt like they put this guy in was so they could have a reason to explain why they put, you know, a real life based scene into this movie. Kind of like how they spent, give, you know, do stuff with the Zodiac Co. I'll get into in a minute. Um, that's what I felt like. It was like, let's give this guy some backstories for this scene. And then the scene itself is kind of shitty because it's ends up being completely use, useless for the rest of the film going forward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you got? Mine, I kind of alluded to it earlier when we talked about good old doodles. Um, Uncle Doodles here. Um, but mine was like the just out of nowhere scene of the mailman slash killer, I should say, having a conversation with Uncle Doodles about how awful women are after they turn 20. This film goes out of its way to make every male like as horrendous as possible, so you think all of them are Zodiac Killer. Um, <laughs> and this scene like hammers it home, because it's like, it, it, there's no like prompt for this to happen. They're just shooting the shit. At first, like, oh, hey, you're back home. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? And then you know how awful women are when they turn 20 and they can like talk back and blah blah. And I'm like, what whoa, where did this come from? Yeah, it's unprompted, it's unnecessary. 
Poor Doodles. Yeah, and then he has a whole weird thing. I almost put it down, but the whole weird line about how he likes them plump and and juicy. And something about hearing an old man that could be like the age of like Hugh Hefner, as we know him, a.k.a. 80-something years old, saying a woman young and juicy just makes my skin crawl a bit. There's just something about it that's kind of gross. Yeah. Ugh. And, you know, describing women the same way you describe, you know, a fucking tomato at the grocery store is weird. Yeah, look, if you are if you can describe the same woman that you describe a steak that you love, let you need a fucking, we need to check on your priorities there, man. A steak is plump and juicy. Not, not a woman. Uh, well, unless that's a kink you guys have in the bedroom, and that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, a woman you know, and you've talked about this with, go nuts. A woman you're lusting over from the bushes? No. <laughs> Bad. Yeah. <laughs> a little weird. So, yeah, that's why I put this scene. It just, this was, of all of many scenes, this one was just made me kind of go, why? And ew. Well, my two reactions, like, this is disgusting, and also just, why? Why? It's padded. They didn't have enough, they, they filmed the Zodiac murders, and then they're like, we got we got 15 minutes. What else can we put in this thing? <laughs> How about every every man in San Francisco hates women with a blinding rage? All right, roll with it. <laughs> Let's do it. God. Oh, with that, God, the next one up, the M. Night Shyamalan. And God, look, even though we saw an Ox Cabin, this still feels so right. Of the worst line, what did you... What did you come up with? Mine comes early on in the movie when uh, Grover and his pal Jerry are, you know, going to check out these women because Grover's like, "Come on, I got four. What? What are you? Uh, insert gay slur here." Oh, and- damn! I I get it to like the seventies, but even I was like, "Okay, please, wow, wow." And Zodiac's like, "How dare you? Of course I'll have sex with one of your women, Jesus!" And he walks over and he's like, kind of apprehensive. And Grover goes. Come on, don't be afraid. They're not going to rape you, at least not here. Like, what the fuck, man? Why are you the worst person on earth? Yeah, and also, you're. why are you implying at least not here? What are you saying when we leave this place? That is a very good question. I love his fake-ass toupee that's like his, you know, you know, good luck charm for getting laid. And when it comes off and they're all like, ah, you're bald. And he's like, Fuck you! I'm not. Nobody calls me bald. Like it's it's such a weird scene. It's so weird. And honestly, I forgot that was Grover because I just saw Japan. I was like, now who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I can see past the fake hair. Me- like I recognize that piece of shit. <laughs> oh, it, it took me a minute, and then I was like, oh wait, that was oh, okay. I, but I was like, I think this movie. Was, I was quick to kind of tune out on this one. I'm not going to lie. I did have a runner up. I. I um... I almost went with uh, the scene where Grover, like, you know, goes nuts and gets killed when he just randomly goes, that no good bitch. She called the cops. Is it? It made me think of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> that, that no good bitch. Sounds like something Dennis would say. Oh, yeah. When talking about D. Yeah. That no good goddamn bitch. Uh, uh, I... I I, uh, I picked something early on in the film too, actually. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I almost wrote down that fucking. I, I like them, like you know, plump and juicy, and so I was like, it. I was like, Ugh. 
So I almost wrote that down. But the one I picked, and I picked it because when the movie keeps going, it makes me go, why the fuck did this guy say that if he's, you know, if he is the ultimate fucking villain here, if he's a Zodiac, why would he act like this? Like, and it's when he's, when we think he's just a, a mailman. And he is dropping them off at this apartment and starts getting berated for whatever reason. I didn't even understand why he was getting berated. And at one point, he like starts to like almost crying. He's like, Well, shut up, quit picking on me. As soon as he's one, I hated the delivery. And then two, as the phone goes on, and like again, like look, fuck it. Spoiler alert, he's revealed to be a zodiac killer. Why is he acting like this? If he knows he could easily just go in there and kill her later, as I'm part sure he probably did. Quit being mean to me. Stop it. I'm not touching you. Stop it. <laughs> it is weird. It's like, you know, you got enough balls to stab two people in a park, but you can't talk back to the lady who's berating you about the mail. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And funny too, he starts out tough, like, call, call my boss. I don't care. It's how it goes. And all of a sudden, it's just like he breaks and I'm like, what the fuck? But then he'll like go to the bar and all of a sudden be Mr. Hotshot. Like, oh, I can get the ladies. I know how to talk to a woman. And I'm like, no, because you got like berated and you you buckled and we're like, stop it. Stop yelling at me. Why are you yelling at me? Yeah, that was weird. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it down like immediately and then I, I honestly, there was probably more dumb shit said, but I was so tuned out and wanting this thing to end. Um, uh, speaking of people that should end, Steven Seagal, uh, the worst performance. Um, this went to Bob Jones as Grover. Hey, we agreed. I was saving, I saved good old Bobby boy here for the worst performance. What a super prick. Just an absolute... <laughs> An irredeemable asshole and not even perform that well from the get-go. He's just like, I don't even fucking care. I can get laid whenever I want. Hey, I scored last night, random customer for, I'm delivering something to. Just a horrible human being. I love that guy's right. like, how's your wife? And he's like, fuck you, ex-wife. <laughs> it's, he's terrible. Yeah, he is awful. And like, you know, and look, I'm not obviously like I'm not, you know, I'm and I'm not saying you are and we're not oblivious that there are guys out there that are just over the top, just you know, uh misogynistic. Like they they exist. They do exist, and I understand that. But especially when you're watching film, there's a certain point where it starts being like a realistic, like that person I can see that person existing in real life, and it it becomes a fucking caricature, and this is a caricature of a really awful human being that I got tired of watching within five minutes from like, yeah, if the way he talks about women calls everyone a bitch and I can't, I can get laden. And then like, I'm not trying to be a truck driver. You clearly are. Cause, and then look the whole scene, like you said, when they take his thing and they're like, you're bald. Like as someone who is bald, AKA me, I, you know, it's called owning it. And that's how you don't get laughed at gentlemen. When you put on to pay, then you'll get laughed at. In real life, own the goddamn baldness and you'll be fine. Um, so that, that was just like, okay, we clearly just did that scene to make him hate women more, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, the whole ending when he just like barges in his ex-wife's house to uh, grab, to like try to grab his kid, who, by the way, when she ran out, 
she had enough time to grab her daughter. I'm just saying, she's kind of a shitty mom. Yeah, well, you know, she fell in love with this prick, so how how good can she be? Yeah, because I thought that immediately. I was like, you just yelled your daughter's name like once. She didn't respond. You're like, okay, fuck you, kid. I'm out. I'm like, you, you had enough time to go in there and grab your kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone else sucks, too. There's no winners in this movie. Everyone's terrible, but he was just extra terrible. Oh, he is so aggressive. Um, that it's like I can't point him down. The only runner up I had was actually a lead guy, Hal Reed. I just did not like his performance at all. Um, but God, Bob Jones, man, if you were told to be as like obnoxious as possible, you in that regard, you excelled. But as a character, I hated watching him on screen. Yeah, same. <sighs> so, with that, let's see if we'd ever cheer the Michael. Bay, the worst filmmaking decision. This was the first thing I wrote. I wrote down immediately because I said, you know, why would anybody make a film about an active serial killer in the middle of the spree and just kind of assume, you know, create a fiction out of it? You know, the Zodiac Killer is a mailman with problems with women. It's like, you don't know that it's gonna fuck with people's. You know, it's gonna, people are gonna start attacking mailmen. Like people are the city yeah. is genuinely scared, and you're not helping. Yeah, I no, I put it's that what you put. I pretty much put the same thing. Of like the whole like giving full backstory. Well, and also like look, okay, I know we've been handing home obviously the realistic part, the fact that it's based on you know real life thing, but let's talk about like the filmmaking aspect of this. It's rooting itself in the most cliched understanding of of what makes a serial killer by saying it's clearly the guy that um is not that actually that great with women and you know is obsessed with like the rat ra- uh, not the rat the fucking rabbit obsession in his house like it's going for stare it's going for stereotypes it's going for tropes that if i recall correctly i want was bundy active around this time or was that after bundy was in the 80s i believe okay so we didn't have the breakthrough and um hey this serial killers are you know with the the profile basically of because that's the big thing you know obviously you know for those you know what bundy is like he kind of was a you know obviously horrendous human being but finally had the fbi kind of wake up to how these people are um but even before that at the time especially uh if you want a good uh thing check out my hunter on netflix i kind of sees the beginnings of when the FBI said we have got to look at this different because it's not following the mold that we think it is. Um, but this film does that. This film just falls on cliche of like, clearly this is the type of person ought to be the killer because that's how it works. When, yeah. as we kind of saw the Zodiac, who the fuck knows? Because that person never got caught. True. We know someone fucking smart. Let's be honest. It was someone smart. We know that. The Behavioral Science Unit of the FBI was actually established in 1972, a year after this movie, and I bet the Zodiac Killing Spree was a big part of why they started looking into that shit. Yeah, because again, like, again, I know it's an unsolved case, but like, we know one thing, he was smart. Um, Even if you actually look at the letters, they point out numerous times in the letters, the guy was clearly educated. Um, I mean, just, you know, the building of the ciphers alone points to somebody who you know could manipulate puzzles and create you know stuff that's has not been cracked to this day yeah so it's like the fact that you had like like we were talking about and again what we're talking about the behavior science unit 
Um, if you want, it's again it's more dramatization, but it is based off a book that the guys who were spearheading the project um wrote. So if you want the full thing, read the book that they they themselves wrote. But there is a really cool series that I really wish would get finished, you know, it's not going to. Um, Mindhunter that kind of details them starting to look at serial killer profile differently. Like like you were talking about people like the Zodiac Manson um, was another big one for them that kind of made them go like, okay, we need to look at this different. True. And that show actually uses the transcripts that the real agents had with the killers as part of the show. So the dialogue is exactly what was said, which is brilliant and never shies away from the fact that these guys were, you know, monsters, just absolute sadists. That is never up for debate. So it's a it's a yeah. good watch. It's dark, but it's a really good show. Yeah. So and, and that's why I say like when you're watching this, like it just feels weird. Like oh, and again, obviously the fact that they decided to do this while there's shit still going on, even if the killings were kind of like quote unquote cease, but the letters were still coming, so there's still that fear still going on. Um, the fact that they just felt the need to make this and give a whole backstory, and then that backstory is just on a on a on a serial profile perspective of that time on a film perspective just go back into fucking cliches and stereotypes that probably aren't even true based off what little we know about the Zodiac. FYI, the guy that the cops were pretty sure did do it uh, was in prison during the time the Zodiac letters stopped. And then they started as soon as he got out. So do with that information what you will. I don't believe in coincidence when it happens that much. Yeah. So... We did Zodiac uh, on Filmgasm a long time ago, if you want to check that out. So you can find that on the Filmgasm roster. Uh, Austin and I did Zodiac, went through the actual case, talked about the movie. It's a great one. So go ahead and check that out if you guys want a better version of this. Yeah. And also, as you can see, apparently we have, a, I guess, a weird quote-unquote obsession with Zodiac in this show that I didn't even think about. I know. That was a, that was a birthday episode for Austin, I believe. So that was like his pick. So yeah. We love that movie. We, this is a fascinating story. And we, you know, I think we're all fascinated because we never caught the guy. Like, you know, he's he got away with it. So few known serial killers got away with it. The, yeah, even um, like, you know, BTK, uh, Dennis Rader, uh, he got so close, but then his dumb ass gone. How do you get a floppy dick? Like, God damn it. That is... I mean, I'm glad he got caught, but it's just so funny to me. I, my favorite part was that when he was arrested, he was legitimately hurt that the cops lied to him about that. He was like, how could the police lie? Oh, yeah. They're police officers. They're supposed to uphold the law. Like, as he's being arrested for horrific murders. Yeah. <laughs> These people's moral compass oh. is so fucking out of whack. When things like that happen, it just makes me laugh. Oh, it's it's the best. It's so funny. Oh yeah, that whole that whole thing is oh god, that is a whole other story in itself. That that shit's funny. Um, but now we've you know obviously talked about a lot of what we don't like about this film. So with that, let's go ahead and point out our our server lining, our one positive for this Zodiac movie. I'm sure there's plenty you could say about the other one, but for this one, what's the one positive you took? I ultimately went with the story behind the making of this is so insane and unique and one of a kind and hilarious. Just Tom Hansen's desire to be the man who caught the Zodiac killer and the crazy lengths he went to get those, to get that 
is worth his piece of shit movie just to have that story. There's your title. The man who almost caught the Zodiac killer. <laughs> yep. That's it. Almost is very being very generous there. You put almost in parentheses. Tom Hans is like, I almost got the Zodiac killer. Like, oh, really? Were you on the investigation team? No, I uh, I, I made a movie in the 70s and he might have shown up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, God. I would watch that movie. That No, that that's a good one. Because, yeah, the story for this is fucking... It's bonkers and it blows my mind that this has not been made into a film yet. Um, or a TV show or something. This is insanity. <laughs> I, ooh, a TV show would actually not even be a bad idea. Like, actually chronicle the making up to the release. Oh my god. I would yeah, this would we should write this thing, man. <laughs> god, this would be I would watch this in a heartbeat. <laughs> get like get get Nicholas Cage to play Tom Hansen. <laughs> Oh yes, <laughs> like an old, an older Tom Hansen recounting the story, but who's so like who talks about it, like you know Quint talking about the Indianapolis, like I was there that day. Uh-huh. I almost had him, the elusive Zodiac killer. He escaped my grasp, and this is how I almost had him. <laughs> then the move, then the show. <laughs> oh my God, yes. All right. Oh my god. So for me, I put one single little scene. And I'm going to preface with I know David Fincher did a lot better in Zodiac because that is one that's a scene that still stood the test of time to me in my head that I will never forget. And in that in this case, I put the quick scene, the 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 more and more infamous killings but the couple being caught the lake i think it's the only time this film actually gets close to being tense and also doesn't hold back i did appreciate that they did not hold back at all at that point like i said it's the it was the only time in the whole film where i went okay where's the rest of this like this is generally like kind of tense like much again you know for those who don't know about this killing why it's kind of infamous it's because it happened in literally broad daylight it was a couple that were chilling at the, the the lake in there i forget the name of the lake in the area but they were on a nice little romantic getaway having you know some fun and i don't mean like sexy time I mean like just having a fun time as a couple and the zodiac came out covered head to toe could not see his face or anything and just came out and shot and killed them both I, he shot the guy i believe and stabbed the woman uh, he stabbed times him both. Or like that. He stabbed him both. He, stabbed him both. Times. he just he lived. The guy lived. That's right. Okay, yeah. The stabbed him multiple times, and the guy lived. That's why that story has become so well known, is because the guy was able to recount it, and um, it's become one of the more more infamous parts of it. Again, Fincher did it really great and shown in a very realistic manner in the in um his in his film, and you know, yes, this obviously this is a much more low budget take on it. A little bit more grainy because this film has only been preserved so much. But you know, I credit real credits due. It is like the closest this film gets to being tense. And again, when you see them stabbing them, it does not hold back. It lingers on it. Um, he could argue, yes, that's getting very close to being the line of exploitative, but I think for that particular thing, you gotta see it to really get the full effect of like how vicious this this shit was, and for you know, people in San Francisco at the time. 
I agree with that. It is necessary to witness the crime yourself to understand why everybody was so terrified, what these people went through, what this guy was capable of. You do need to see it. And I think Fincher pulls it off. And to an extent in this movie, like I said earlier, the recreation of the actual murders was done pretty well. So there you go. Yeah. So I was wondering, I put it sounds like, I put it, I was like, it's kind of going to come at me because of the Fincher, because of Fincher's Zodiac on this one. I was like, am I really going to, I was like, I, that's what I was like, at first, I understand, like, obviously our Fincher knocked it out of the park. But yes, to, you know, to Hanson's credit, this is, a, a decent it's a decent scene it's a decent enough scene and it made me kind of wish the rest of the film had this level of quality at least well here's the thing fincher's zodiac is a prime perfectly aged porterhouse whereas this movie is a gas station corn dog <laughs> like i know what it is i'm not going to compare it to the porterhouse that'd be inane so it is what it is you know it's a corn dog. If you're gonna eat a corn dog, you know you're not expecting gourmet. It's a corn dog. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, well then, on that note, if we are good uh, to wrap up our awards, it's time to stop talking about the film ourselves and find out what everyone else is saying and see what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? Give me the gun. The Zodiac Killer is rocking a 2.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. A lot of people praising the, you know, 70s porno vibe and just kind of enjoying this wacko movie. Uh, it, it does kind of have that vibe. I'll, I'll give him credit on that one. Yeah. But I do have five here that made me laugh, and I hope they can make you laugh. This first one's from Emily. This this exploitation flick was apparently created to lure the real Zodiac into the theater. All caps. Do you think he saw it? No, cap, no caps. Trashy and gritty. Three stars. And yeah, everyone's thinking the same thing. Like, was he there? Did he think like, oh, yeah. this is fucking horrible. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, was he there? And he just obviously changed his handwriting to make sure no one got him. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the guy that they think was the actual was the Zodiac guy named Arthur Lee Allen was ambidextrous. He could he could change his handwriting. He, he wrote two different styles with each hand and the police never looked at the other hand because they could never get enough to get this guy. It was just mm. too much coincidence. So, yeah, easily. Uh, crazy. Right when they were going to go after him, he had a heart attack. and He died. That's what I heard what happened was like they were literally finally going to go after him and hopefully put this case to rest and he died. And guess what died with him? The Zodiac letters. <laughs> not, not another one was ever sent. Not another murder was ever committed. Ugh. Sometimes life's not fair. <laughs> yeah. uh, this next one's from Jason Plo. Fun trash. <laughs> Grover is actually a more unlikable character than the Zodiac killer. Four stars. <laughs> right? I mean, he, God. You know, he's not wrong because look, you have that one scene where like the couple finds fucking a zodiac on the beach just growing some hot dogs. And they have a decently nice enough conversation. And he only gets mad when he, you know, the guy ruffles through his bags, which if you don't know he's the killer. 
it's I kind of get it. I'm like, I'd be like, dude, why are you going through my stuff? That's my shit. Why are you going through it? I love Zodiac's little interaction with that guy. He later rolls into traffic and he's like, you know, how you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing all right. Well, that's good to hear. And then later he just like gets pissed off and just rolls that fucker into the subway. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rover not a single renewable quality. Yeah. Bad husband, bad father, bad human being, bad truck driver, bad toupee. A lot going on there. Um, this next one's from Jarrett. You know what I always felt was missing from Fincher's Zodiac? That Grover guy. <laughs> and Jill and Hall and Ruffalo definitely don't call enough women <laughs> bitches. Three stars. Was just attacking Grover. He's hands on the worst. This next one's from Shannon Briggs. David Fincher can sleep peacefully. Two and a half stars. <laughs> yeah, no one's touching that one. <laughs> no, no. I don't think he ever worried about not sleeping peacefully. I'm sure when he did his research and was prepping that, you know, meticulously because he's David Fincher, he stumbled upon this and thought. Yeah, I can do better. <laughs> but hell, so did I. Um, and this last one's from Johan Rucker. The real-life Zodiac killer was believed to have gotten extreme sexual satisfaction from his murders, especially those perpetrated against women. Imagine, somehow, making a film that is more misogynistic than that. Just imagine. One and a half stars. <laughs> This movie is more misogynistic than the actual fucking killing spree of the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, kind of not wrong for being being honest. <laughs> this film, I, I even I was like, does, does, does the writer director for this just really hate women? Like, I don't know if he's trying to catch the killer or just despises women because whole Holy shit. It does have this vibe of like, you know, talking to a certain person in the audience, like women are bitches, right? Don't you agree? Isn't this grinding your gears? Aren't you getting all pent up? Making them make a scene, huh? Possibly and allow me to make that citizen's arrest. <laughs> so it could be just for the benefit gotcha. of playing the crowd. <laughs> gotcha, you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You think he like practice that line in the mirror every day before like he's like, all right, I gotta practice. Got you. No, that doesn't sound good. I got you. Mm, too much emphasis. Like he just sat there just practicing his line from when he would catch this guy. I bet this was his, you know, this was his moment. This is so worth exploring in a miniseries or something. This is there's a story about an unhealthy obsession here that could be a great meta comedy i we got to look into this yeah <laughs> this of all the things we talked about has like the most potential for a legit like actual like movie or tv show or something right oh my god my god uh but, but if that's all that's in the box all good things must come to an end so before i reveal what next week's episode is be sure to follow us on social media Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in that week, find us on Anchor. 
Finally, feel free to go on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, shows, articles, and all of our episodes. Also, look us up on Letterboxd, Connor95, if you want to do that. He has all of us friended on there, and you can catch our reviews on there as well and what we think, especially of uh, newer releases. Um, with that, next week, we'll be taking a look at the Love It or Hate It Adam Sandler comedy film. I I know I firmly fall in the Love It. We'll find out where Connor falls next week. Uh, the Waterboy. Yeah, I'm psyched. You know, Sandler, his early stuff is all pretty damn reliable, but you know, he's got a lot of stinkers too. The Waterboys one I've always heard is really funny, but apparently critics didn't know that. So we're gonna explore and see what we get we can find here. Yeah, should be fun. Uh exploring Sandler. Obviously, there's much more worthy Sandler films to put on on here, but I figured, hey, why the hell not? Finally do something I actually enjoy, you know, everyone else, you know, the critics hated fucking. <laughs> just for a change of pace after so many weeks of just being like oh my god um uh, on filmgasm they'll be taking a look at the 1994 take on the wolfman mythos with a uh, wolf yeah wolf's gonna be fun uh i know nothing about this i just know jack nicholson is a werewolf and that is all i needed to know so but yeah it's gonna be a blast yeah, should be fun. I like. I know. I know. It's an, it's it's a take on the the Wolfman mythology, and I've I've heard good things. I haven't seen it myself yet, but I've heard really good things. Um, and on Oscar Sunday, they'll be taking like the nineteen ninety nine sci fi action fucking Kanye Reeves classic, The Matrix, the one where he goes, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, this is a long time coming." So, film guys and bonus, we kind of half assed. So. We've been looking for an opportunity to redo this on Oscar Sunday proper, and uh, the time has come. So can't wait for that. Yeah. So on next Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to take either the red or blue pill. You have a choice to make. There is a right choice. <laughs> um, no, should be a lot of fun. I fucking love The Matrix. It's one of my favorite fucking action films. And kind of reason, all joking aside, really actually like good in that movie. He plays the role like it should be played. Um, you know, we like to make fun of it, but I I, I look forward to listening because Matrix is fucking awesome. At least the first one. I don't really care for like any of the sequels. Um But until then, if you're feeling compelled to find a way to catch a notorious serial killer, reconsider making a movie to do it. Something tells me it won't work. See y'all next week on Beyond the Bad. <laughs> Thank you.